are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by St. Joe River Bows. If you're looking for a custom longbow or recurve, then St. Joe River Bows has you covered. St. Joe's is a family-owned company that specializes in traditional bows for the entire family. Plus their forward handle design, powerful limbs, and unique wood and color combinations make St. Joe's the perfect choice for the budding or experienced archer or bow hunter. Tracy offers bow options for all members of the family from the youngest to the oldest, and they even offer a trade-in program on all youth bows so that as the little ones outgrow their bow, they can trade them in and use that towards the purchase of a bow that better fits their growing needs. And for listeners of the Traditional Outdoors podcast, David and Tracy are going to include a St. Joe River Bows t-shirt with any new bow purchased. Just mention that you heard about them while listening to this podcast. So when you're ready for a new bow, be sure to check out their website at stjoeriverbows.com or give Tracy a call at 517-617-3658 and be sure to tell them Traditional Outdoors sent you. Now on to the show. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel, and today I'm recording solo. Uh, Our guest today was available to record on a a weekend afternoon, and seeing as we have some nasty, rainy, windy, and even possible some frozen precipitation coming in today, I decided to spend a day working on some other stuff for the video channel and recording a podcast episode as well. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in here in just a minute, but before we do, I do want to take just a moment to wish everyone listening a very merry Christmas from both myself, Nick, and Tom. We truly appreciate each and every one of you, and hope you have a wonderful Christmas holiday and a prosperous New Year. Now, if you've not already done so, uh, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and we really do appreciate five star ratings and reviews. We do have additional giveaways coming soon, and this really helps us work with companies and individuals that may want to donate an item as a promotional giveaway. So with all of that out of the way, let's uh, go ahead and jump into the show. And joining us today, we have another South Georgia hog and deer slayer. I'm joined today by Mr. Chris Spikes. How's it going, Chris? It's going pretty good, Steve. How are you? Uh, Other than this nasty weather, going well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh we were talking a little bit before we started recording and uh you've you've listened to uh the recording with uh, your buddy RC. I uh, hope we didn't uh hope we didn't give you too much of a hard time in your in your absence. Uh about <laughs> being I know I know RC likes to give you a hard time about being lucky. Yeah, that's kind of a back and forth between us. Uh but uh make no mistake about it. He's not lucky. He he does it way too much to be lucky. He's he's a uh, he's got it down pat. I don't think either one of you are, are necessarily lucky, but uh, <laughs> we uh, I watch I, I kind of watch some of the posts back and forth on Facebook, and that's one of the things that I've kind of uh, picked up on uh, you guys giving each other a hard time. But uh, and there's a there's a lot of things I wanna I wanna get into here, Chris. But for for those that don't know you, and I'm sure we've got a few listening. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe, you know, give us some uh, backstory about how you got into hunting deer hogs and turkeys. Well, uh, yeah, I guess kind of like everybody else, you know, uh, my father got me started hunting and uh, just with a gun. He didn't bow hunt or anything. And uh, I think I killed my first deer when I was nine years old. And uh, but I didn't 
actually get into bow hunting till I was uh, 13. Uh, a friend of mine, he wasn't a friend at the time, but he was a kind of a family friend and a, a neighbor, uh, Lester Roden. He uh, he gave me a bow, what would have been my first, uh, I guess, real bow. And uh, when I was 13 years old, it, it was one that he had bought for his fiance and uh, something happened there. They had a bad breakup or whatever, but I was the uh, benefactor of that, and uh, it really changed my life. I tell you, it. it uh, I don't know. It, I've, I've, it's just totally consumed me. He uh, he wouldn't take me hunting the first year. He told me, yeah. I mean, he understood how long it takes to get proficient, and I, I think uh, me and you have a. Uh, something in common here. The bow that he gave me was a Darton SL50, <laughs> and uh, it was 45 pounds. And uh, I, like I said, I was 13 when he gave it to me. And uh, he told me, he said, "I'll, <clears throat> you can come down to my house and shoot." Uh, he had targets and stuff set up, and it was like two blocks away, so it was really convenient for me. And uh, he said. You can practice. He said, if you get good enough with it next year, he said, I'll try to take you hunting some next uh, next fall. Right. And uh, I guess I kind of took that on as a challenge. But man, I would I, I can still remember waiting, just couldn't wait for the bus to drop me off so I could truck it on down there and, and shoot. And I would, <clears throat> my mom used to give me a hard time about it. I'd have to try to get my homework out of the way first. <laughs> but uh, I'd go down there and would shoot until... I couldn't see, you know, and uh, that little old bow, he he set it up for me. It had two sight pins on it, one for 10 and one for 20. And, uh, man, I shot that thing, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, over the course of a year. Right. And uh, when it rolled back around, uh, I'm going to say maybe a month before bow season, he got me out there and he said, okay, and this is, I've heard other people say the same thing. He said, uh, we used to shoot nine inch paper plate. And he mm-hmm. said, if you can put, uh, I think he said four out of five in that paper plate at 20 yards, he said, I'll, I'll take you hunting this year. <clears throat> and we always took that paper plate and put a three inch circle in the middle of it. Right. And, uh, and he, this was with broadheads too. Now he wouldn't just, just let me shoot field points. And, uh, I shot, I guess I really bared down when he put the pressure on me, but I put all five of those uh, arrows in that three-inch circle at 20 yards. <laughs> wow. And, uh, which was better, you know, than I normally would shoot, but I guess the pressure kind of helped me out. And uh, But he did. He ended up taking me hunting, which, looking back, that was a pretty big responsibility, uh, you know, to, to take a 14-year-old kid out there. And he was... I guess at the time he was probably 26 years old, and uh, you know I don't I don't know if I would have had the uh, I I just don't know if I I would have trusted myself with somebody else you know at that age. Sure. Uh, but he he did he he got me started. Uh, back then he he uh, did all the stand hanging and everything else, and uh, he put me up a tree. He, t- he had told me before the season started. He said I can go ahead and tell you you're gonna miss the first one you get a shot at (laughs) and he was right Uh, (laughs) i had been uh i can remember it was a thursday afternoon and i hadn't i don't even 
think I had seen a deer to this point. And we were going every day uh, after school. He was taking me. And uh, this was the, the second uh, Thursday of the season. He said, I got another place over here. He said, I'll put you in there and, and maybe you'll see one. And I had a doe come come in and uh, she hit a hole over there to what I thought was 20 yards. You know, you got to remember I'm as inexperienced as you could be. And uh, that's the one thing I had really not practiced shooting out of a tree stand or anything. <laughs> and uh, I saw she stepped in that hole and I, I automatically figured 20 yards because it does look further out of the tree, you know. Sure. And I put that 20-yard pin on and, and shot and watched it go right over the top of her back. <laughs> and uh, I went back and told him, you know, I said, well, you were right. And uh, the next day on a Friday evening, he let me go back into that same place. And I have no way of knowing this, but in my mind, it was the same deer came from the same direction and stopped in the same hole. But this time I knew how far it was because I had to step it off to get my air out of the ground the day before. <laughs> and uh, it was 14 yards, and I shot, made a good hit on her, and uh, she ran about 70 yards. And uh, that was with a 1916 double uh, X 75, right. and I was shooting a satellite four-blade. Uh, 145 grain head and uh that was 30 years ago and uh i'll tell you what man it's been downhill from there and and i've actually got some notes we'll get to that later there's been a lot of a lot of deer hit the ground since then but uh oh yeah so did you um is that the is the sl50 the only compound you ever hunted with or did you hunt was did you hunt with other compounds before you made the switch to traditional yeah i hunted with i hunted with compounds a, a lot uh i've probably well I, I hunted with a compound more than i have a trad bow uh if, if, if you look at time uh i progressed from there you know after shooting that bow for a while he the next year i only hunted with it one season and uh he he gave me actually hunted the second year he gave me a hand-me-down bow of his it was a uh, an old uh PSE citation it was a four-wheel bow and uh you don't see many of those but uh I think I killed three with it that year and uh I can't remember I think the possibly the next year I bought what would have been the first bow you know that I actually purchased myself and it was a Hoyt uh pro hunter and uh shooting with fingers you know with everything that's how he, he started me out. But it was on down the road. It was pretty good ways on down the road before I got into traditional. Uh, I want to say I'm not exactly sure, and I don't know why. Uh, he never shot traditional. I didn't know anybody that shot traditional. Uh, but about, I think about 1995, I can remember seeing the uh, ads for Black Widow, um, you know, in the back of Bowhunter Magazine and stuff. And just thinking, man, I'd love to have one of those. And uh, I guess that's what actually sparked the interest, you know, of going traditional. But I ended up uh, ordering a bow from Black Widow, but it was not a Black Widow. I, I ordered a uh, uh, Martin uh, Damon Howitt Hunter. Right. And uh, 
Yeah, started out, you know, probably not ideal. I think I started out with 65 pounds. And uh, that, you know, I, I don't know. Looking back, I probably wouldn't have done that. <clears throat> I don't know. It, it probably took me a good bit longer uh, to get proficient with it. Uh, but at the time, the, the reason that I did that was I was coming from shooting a 92-pound compound and 65 pounds didn't seem like it was going to be all that much. You you, you know? were another one of those guys because I did the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. As far as the shooting the real heavy compounds now, I yeah. didn't uh, – it was – it was, sounds like it might have been a lot later um, before I switched to, to – how long have you been shooting traditional, Chris? Uh, I figured it up the other day. I want to say – I want to say about 12 seasons uh, total that I've actually hunted with it. I've, I had a, a – I'll, I'll back up on that. You know, I, I got that bow in 95. I did not hunt with it uh, until 1998. Uh, I decided uh, – you know, I just – I guess I kind of played with it. And, but uh, for a couple of years. But in 1998, I figured I was proficient enough with it to, to take it to the woods. And I, I hunted all of 98 and all of 99 season with that bow. And, uh, I killed, I killed four my first year with it and I killed four the second year. But that second year I had what was a pretty good year. I think I had 12 shots that year, but I only killed four. And I was very fortunate that I didn't wound a lot more than I, I think I lost one that year. Mm-hmm. So I, I got really lucky, but I was just so frustrated with my skill level with it that the the following season I went back to shooting a compound. And uh, I want to say this is going to seem odd to some folks. You know, I, I don't – and looking back, it kind of does to me too. But in 2003, I had been – and you, you're talking 20 years. I think I was uh, – it was 1983, I believe, when I killed my first deer with a rifle. So, roll around to 2003. I had never been a season without killing at least one deer with some kind of weapon. And uh, and I, th- I killed my last deer with a gun in 1991. So, I had a pretty good stretch of, uh, you know, I had like 12 years there where I, you know, I'd never had a deer, a year where I didn't kill a deer with a bow. 2003. Man, it was really a really tough season. Uh, I don't know why. I, I look back at it now. Uh, I was hunting. I was in a lease, and uh, this was back before I did any public land hunting. And I hunted that year really hard. I had a job where I could hunt every day. Uh, I could hunt every afternoon, and I could hunt morning and afternoon on the weekend. So I was getting a lot of time in the, in the stand. And I hunted, I, if I remember correctly, I hunted 57 times that year before I ever got a shot. And the that afternoon when I got a shot, I killed a doe at about 10 yards. But I had two deer come in that afternoon, and those two deer made six, number six and number seven that I had seen out of the tree in 57 hunts. And uh, it was just, it had turned, you know, I would I refused to go a year without killing one, you know. And it, 
it completely turned that in to a job and took all the enjoyment out of it. And when I shot that deer, uh, I, I laid the bow down. I did not hunt the rest of the season. And uh, I did not hunt for the next two years after that. Really? I completely rolled over and went to fishing. And I can I can remember now being, uh, you know, first of October, uh, being in the in, down there in the river, you, you know, thinking about man, I used to be in a tree right now. But yeah, it it did it it completely uh, it completely ruined it for me. And uh, I had a job change two thousand six. Uh, I actually came back to work for uh, you know the guy that that gave me the bow to to begin with, and uh, you know I guess I just got back into hunting, and I hunted uh, half of that season uh, with a compound. I'm gonna say for you know the first month of that season with a compound, and just one day at work we we had it set up nice. Uh, we could shoot bows indoors at work you know so i could shoot all day long uh in between you know my task and stuff i was doing right and i had happened to have that old uh recurve laying there we had there's probably four or five different bows laying around down there but that old recurve was laying there and uh i don't know what possessed me to do it i picked it up one day and just said Cause I had, you know, I've been shooting a few arrows out of it, but I said, let me, I'm going to try to shoot three fingers under. And I don't, I guess I had never tried it before. And within the first, probably within the first 10 minutes, I said, man, this is going to work. And, uh, I practiced with it for a week and, and laid the uh, compound down. I, I, I went back to shooting the, uh, recurve that year and, uh, actually killed a deer with it like you know within the first two or three days after i started hunting with it again and i i haven't looked back uh so that's that's uh i've been you know strictly traditional ever since been been hooked ever since oh yeah yeah it's it's something else man i tell you but uh i used to have really really good detailed records of of all my kills and I, i've had a hard time with computers over the years <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm uh, a moron or what, but I, I never did back anything up, you know. Right. And, uh, man, I had all kind of records and stuff. Had a computer crash on me. Lost everything. And I think at this time I had probably killed, I want to say, 54 deer, you know. So I lost all the records of those first, uh, first 54 deer. And... Uh, Fortunately, I well, I, no, I say all of them. Everything I had on a computer, uh, I did lose. Uh, I mean, I, I did have a few written down before I ever got hold of a computer mm-hmm. that I, you know, where I actually wrote them down manually, and I still had a few of those records and stuff. But I, I lost the majority of all those records, and uh, it's it's just been it's just been a nightmare uh, with all the record keeping and stuff. Well, and I'll be honest, I I wish I had kept records early on and I I I did never even thought about it. Um but I did start a few years back and, and I actually keep mine handwritten in uh some little uh hunting journals that, that I got from uh Right in the Rain, I think's where I got them. But 
Um, yeah. I wished I'd kept them. I wished I'd kept them a lot longer. And it's funny. I want. I do want to talk to you a little bit more about your your shooting as we get into this. Um, uh, your competitive shooting, but so the three under thing. I actually shot when I first when I first started shooting. I shot split finger, um, uh-huh. and I never even thought about trying uh, three under until. Um, well, and I don't want to get too deep into um, little rabbit trails and stories here. The first deer I shot with a traditional bow was a smallish buck, and I still think, well, and I've taken the shot many times since then and not had any problems. Looking back, I think my biggest problem was my arrow. Uh, just I didn't have enough mass weight. And anyway, it was a high shot, and I never recovered the animal. And I decided, or, or at the time thought, well, you know, I was shooting a, a lighter weight bow than, than I shoot now. And I went up in bow weight and subsequently went up in arrow weight. Now it's just kind of a two-fold thing. I don't, I don't, I never worry about that anymore. But that's the reason I started going up in bow weight was because of that experience. Um, and as mm-hmm. I went up in bow weight, the, the three fingers, uh, split finger, I mean, was giving me such a pinch um, it, my fingers would get so sore that I could hardly shoot and I was yeah. shooting a lot. Um, and I forget now who I was talking to, but somebody suggested, you know, y'all try three under it'll, it'll take that. Cause what was the, what was hurting me was the pinching between my finger and the knock of the arrow. Mm. Um, so I tried it and lo and behold, not only it felt easier to draw the heavier bows cause it lowered my, you know, my hand came down just a little bit. Um, but I didn't have that that soreness on my fingers and I was much more consistent and I've never looked back. I mean, it, I, I never could shoot as well split finger as I did day one, uh, trying yeah. the, the three under. So I, I definitely get it. Yeah. And I, you know, looking back, I, I really don't know what the difference was for me, uh, except maybe, you know, it moved the air up a little bit closer to my eye mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I do remember back then I, I anchored at the corner of my mouth and uh, so it, you know, it, it would have moved it up one finger width, you know. But it's it's hard to imagine that making that much difference, you know, in my accuracy. But uh, it really did. Well, and I don't want to get into uh, uh, one of those debates that'll you know set the internet on fire with regards to instinctive shooting and gap shooting and all that stuff. But you know, I, I kind of view myself as an instinctive shooter. But at the same time, I'm smart enough to know that the whole gap thing comes in, in, into play because in my, in my mind, in my peripheral vision, I'm seeing that gap between the point of the arrow and the, and the target. And it's a big difference when you go from split to three under as far as what that, that gap is and how you're, how you're having to, to aim or where you're having to look and so forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, and I think it's just that same thing. You're bringing the, the arrow up closer to the eye, which reduces that triangulation between where your air is at, where your eyes at and where the targets at. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we've pretty much been talking about Georgia totally. Have you ever hunted any outside of Georgia, Chris, or is, is it pretty much been in the state? Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I think it was back around 93. I went up to, uh, the, the buddy of mine that got me started bow hunting. Uh, he and I went up to, uh, Ontario bear hunting. And uh, I didn't. I've I've had a really bad time with killing bears. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I just got a there, there's something bad, some bad blood there. But uh, anyway, I hunted up there for a week and uh, never even saw a bear. 
And uh, did see a, a wolf, though, which was they said was extremely unusual. But uh, then I came back. Uh, I've been to uh, Idaho. I went out there hunting with my buddy Dave Ology that owns Simmons. Mm-hmm. And uh, did not kill a bear. Uh, did see some bears, but I, I didn't get to shoot one then. And uh, the closest I've actually come to killing a bear has been in North Georgia. Uh, I think it was back around 2010. Uh, several of us that you know were on the GON forum at the time. Uh, we went up there hunting with uh, Lance Coleman, and uh, he actually he actually put me on a bear. I, I had him at like seven yards, and uh, all I was doing, <clears throat> he had told me, you know, you don't want to fool around with that uh, shoulder blade on a bear. He said it it ain't like a deer, and. Uh, I, you know, I, all I was doing was waiting on him to take, he was quartering to me just very slightly. And I think I've actually got a little video of that on uh, YouTube. But anyway, I, I was waiting on him to take just one step forward was going to, was going to open it up. And I, I had tension on the string and of course that nose kicked in and uh, <laughs> he, he cut out of there. But uh, that's, that's, I've had some bad times with the bears. But I've, I've gone to, uh, I actually went back out to Montana uh, again, hunting with Dave, and uh, I killed my elk out there. That's pretty much been it for uh, out-of-state hunts. And I'll be honest, I haven't, I've, I've, been, I've been keeping up with all your videos. I don't know that I've ever gone back and watched all of them, but have you got, is the, did you video the elk or was that, yeah, I <laughs> let me get back on the computer topic again, man. I, I've got <laughs> I don't know how many. Yeah, I, I don't know how many hunts I have on video. Uh, back at one time, uh, me and and Robert Carter were uh, talking about trying to pool our video together and make a DVD. And uh, I I don't know at the time I probably had enough of my own to make one, but I was gonna you know let him. <clears throat> get four or five kills on video and then we would have kind of split it up right. half and half. And, uh, it was during that time period, uh, when I, I had all of my footage backed up. I say backed up. It wasn't backed up. It was my only copy of it on an external hard drive. And I had it hooked up and was actually watching some of that footage and it got knocked over. And oh no. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, I say it's gone. Uh, I've had some people say they may could recover it, but it was going to cost you know eight hundred bucks or something like that. So I just haven't haven't spent the money on it. Uh, I may do it one day, but it's you know when you're just doing it for uh, you know just to have for your uh, enjoyment, it's it's hard to drop that much money on a, on a chance of getting it back. You know they told me that there was no guarantee. Yeah, they won't guarantee it, but in most cases, they can get most of it back. But, yeah, they, they do charge for it, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. I would, I would love to have it back. It, it, was some, uh, it was some good footage on the elk. I actually, uh, that was a pretty good hunt. Uh, I'd, I'd gone out there originally, and we were going to, we made this hunt. Uh, I don't remember the name of the, the piece of public ground we went to, but uh, it was me and Dave and a, a friend of his that had some uh, mules and we packed back in about, I want to say it was about seven miles from the trailhead. 
and got back in there. And I think we set up camp somewhere around, I remember correctly, it was about 8,800 feet. The first day that we got there, it started snowing. And I can remember telling Dave that there was more snow on my bow limb than I had ever seen <laughs> back home. <you> know? <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we ended up making, uh, we hunted around that day. <clears throat> and then the next morning we got up and got on the mules and decided to ride up to the uh, divide trail up there. And it was just above 10,000 feet. And, you know, me coming from, you know, living 50 or 60 feet above sea level, mm-hmm. it was something about that 10,000 number. Buddy, I got altitude sickness, something awful. And really? I, yeah, I did. And it was, uh, uh, you know, it, it. I was able to function, but it was, the best way I could describe it was it was like having a migraine headache you know, that just would not let up. Yeah, but, you know, while I, all this was going on, we ended up hearing a, a bull bugle. And uh, while we were up on this divide trail, and he, he broke out into this little park down there below us with a couple of cows. And uh, looking back on it, it, it seems kind of really dangerous, but, but Dave and I, he said, let's go to him, and we bailed off the side of this uh, mountain and started down there to him, and I don't know, we were probably, if I had to guess, we were probably uh, 150 yards above the tree line. Right. And uh, everything's covered with snow, and you have no idea where you're putting your foot, you know, so I just, I was following along behind him, and, uh, you know, we were, I guess we were, I was trusting him since he lived out there. <laughs> I figured he knew more about it than I did. And I was just, just hoping that we didn't step on something that would shoot out from under our feet because right. there would have been no stopping until you hit the trees, you know. But uh, anyway, we finally got down there, and we got up pretty close to the to the uh, bull. We could hear him bugling just over a ridge from us, and uh, Dave didn't want to get any closer Uh you know, take a chance on bumping a cow or something that we couldn't see. So uh, he set up and started calling, and I had I had backed up from him a little bit up the hill, and uh, he had he had been calling for maybe one minute. You know, he just let out a few calls, and and we had a a cow come in, and I could have shot her at about twenty yards, and it took everything I had not to. <laughs> <laughs> because I like to shoot, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I've noticed he, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he told me, though, he said, he said, I'm not packing no stinking cow out. He said, we'll get you a bull. So uh, anyway, we, we never could. Uh, they were moving on down the hill pretty quick, and we never could catch up with them. But uh, we went on back to camp later that night, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still dying from this altitude sickness. And uh, I can remember, you know, nothing nothing would make it any better. I finally was able to get to sleep when I woke up the next morning. It was gone, you know. But uh, <clears throat> I think uh, by then we had decided to, to head on out. He had, uh, I think he had, his wife had let him know that he had some orders that were backing up. And, uh, yeah, I was out there for two weeks. So he, he told me, he said, do you mind if we go back to the house and let me catch up on some of these orders? And he said, I, you can deer hunt 
since I bought a combo tag, he said, uh, you can deer hunt there behind the house or uh, at the uh, refuge down the road. I said, that's fine. I'm fine with me. You know, I was just loving being out there. Sure. Uh, it had been a dream of mine since I was about 15 or 16 years old, you know, to just to see the Rocky Mountains. And uh, I was just, it, it was the time of my life, you know, being out there. And so uh, he said, you know, I get, as soon as I get these orders taken care of, we'll, he had another spot that he had scouted out uh, in a different, actually a different, entirely different part of the state. And uh, he said, we'll go set up there and maybe get you on a, on an elk. And uh, so we went back and uh, first day back, he uh, carried me down behind his house and showed me where he had a stand set up. Man, there were trails and everything. They were going to an alfalfa field. He said, you, you can probably kill you a deer right here. You can come down here and climb this afternoon. And I said, well, that'll be fine with me. He worked on orders all day, and uh, I hung around the shop with him. His uh, in-laws own a large ranch that's next door to his property. And uh, he was they, they don't allow any anybody to hunt on it except family. Right. And uh, which he would have gladly carried me in there if, if it weren't for that. But he said, I think I'm going to go hunting this afternoon. Uh, he said, ride me around in there on the ranch and drop me out. And he, I'm going to go, uh, he said he was going to go sit over a water hole. So I carried, you know, in his truck, carried him back around there and dropped him off. I drove back around to his house and went down there and, and got up in the ladder stand. And just the time I'd gotten in the tree, uh, you know, I, I pulled my phone out. I think everybody does it now. And, uh, I had a text from him, you know, asking, was I settled in? And he had seen it like 20 minutes earlier. And, I, you know, I replied, you know, I just got settled. And within five minutes, he texted me back. He said he had just shot one. You know, I congratulated him and everything. Well, I don't know. It's probably an hour later. I, I glimpsed a deer coming. And uh, it was a doe. And that, that was perfectly fine. Uh, I love killing does. She ended up coming down there and, and uh I give me about a, a seven yard shot. Just happened to take a trail, you know, to come by me. It was pretty cool. I texted him. I said, you know, I just, just killed a, a doe and uh, pretty sure I heard a crash. That was actually my 100th bow kill. So, and it, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20 minutes after that, he texted me. He said, I just saw a huge bull and uh, he's headed your way, which we were probably a mile apart, you know, so there's no guarantee he's going to come anywhere close to me. But probably maybe five to ten minutes after he sent me that text, I heard uh, a bull bugling. And it kept getting closer and closer. And uh, they finally getting really close. And I, I started seeing cows. And they started filing by me. There were several different trails. And uh, some of them were on, you know, trails that were like 12 yards from me. Some of them were 25 yards in between. And I, I, I counted them as they went by. There, I think in all total, there were uh, 38 cows and one scrub bull in this herd. And then the herd bull was at the tail, tail end. And he ended up coming by and, and giving me a shot at 18 yards. I had some really good, good video of it. Uh, you know, the whole thing, all the bugling and everything, it was just, just really good stuff. And, uh, Anyway, I made a, made a good shot on him, and uh, he ran about 120 yards and piled up. But, yeah, that, that was a, that's another one of those times, man, the computer 
just ate my lunch, you know. Just really wish I could go back and uh and had it backed up on something else, you know. Well, and I'm just I'm just the opposite. I'm just destined to have problems with cameras. I've had I've had corrupted SD cards. I've had the camera for some reason will start recording and then I'll look over and it'll it'll either have stopped recording or turn itself off. So Yeah. That's on my that's on my equipment list for next year is to try to get a a, a better camera. But uh, we we've kind of uh, talked about the video and the YouTube stuff quite a bit, Chris, and it just hit me. I haven't even I haven't even mentioned what that is. So for for everyone listening, if if you haven't already seen uh, Chris's YouTube channel, it's called Tagging Out Traditional, and again, highly recommend it. There's some there's some <laughs> there's some really good and interesting interesting hunts on there and I, I there's a couple of things i want to talk to you about some of those but um i said i had a, a few notes here now i don't know how far behind um you are as far as getting videos out there but i think the last uh and the, the name of this video just cracks me up um <laughs> the last the last video you you released was evening wood and uh <laughs> again i had a i had a rodney carrington flashback when i don't even know if you know who he is but uh oh yeah <laughs> when i saw the title of that i was like that's that's just priceless but uh the whole thing about that video was that was your first wood air is actually the first wood air you'd ever made and the first one you'd ever hunted with right yeah yeah <laughs> and, and i'll i'll let you give a highlight of what took place on that but uh there's uh I know at the end of it, you say that that was your 128th bow kill, your 80th bow kill with traditional gear, and the 37th with your Centaur, right? Yeah, I believe that's right. Uh, yeah, I, I had a, I don't know why, I guess everybody goes through little spells, uh, but I had kind of gotten a desire to kill a deer with a, a wood arrow. I didn't, you know... And, I, you know, I had never met you. I know you shot uh, higher poundage stuff, so you would have been a good one to ask. But the only person that I knew that shot a, somewhere similar to the weight that I shoot and shot wood arrows was John Pardue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sent him a message and asked him about it, basically just wanting to know uh, about what spine range I should try to go with and uh, with the weight head that I shot. And he, I, I think he recommended 80 to 85 or something like that. And uh, he offered, he said, I've got some here at the house. He said, I'll send you some if you want to try them out. So, you know, uh, I told him, yeah, man, I'd, I'd like to try it, you know. And uh, he sent me some ramen shafts that he had uh, had turned down. I got them here, and, and I'd been sitting on them. I, I hadn't... Uh, I guess I had them for about two weeks and hadn't messed with them. I actually killed a deer. I guess it was opening day, uh, opening afternoon. I killed one and uh, got in a little bit late, and so I didn't hunt the, the second morning. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I decided to get up, and, and I thought about those areas, and I said, I'm going to see if I can go make one up and, and just see how it shoots. I did. I, I got one, not knowing anything about it, having, having never made any uh you know, I said, man, I need to, to put a finish on this thing before I fletch it up because I didn't want it to shoot well and then me, you know, carry it out in the woods or whatever and it soak up moisture and stuff. So right. uh, I, I, I put a little bit of stain on it and 
impatiently waited for it to dry and, and sprayed some clear coat and stuff like that on it. It's the only thing I had on hand, you know. Sure. And uh, I carried it out in the yard and, and shot it, and it shot fine. Uh, and uh, I, I think I, I immediately went out there and shot it with a uh, glue-on tree shark. You know, I think the first time I shot it, if I'm not badly mistaken. And uh, I said, man, I, I believe I can kill a deer with that thing. So uh, I, I don't I think I shot it four times. Uh, you know, I, I think I shot it like 10 yards the first time because I didn't know what it was going to do. And it, it flew good. Shot it at, at 15. Uh, shot it at 20. And then I think I shot it the last time at 15 again. And uh, brought it in the house, sharpened it up. And uh, put it in a quiver and went hunting that afternoon. And uh, I think it was like 5 o'clock when I walked up to the base of the tree. And uh, I was hunting a persimmon <clears throat> down in the swamp. And I hadn't even been in there and checked it yet. But I, I knew we had such a great year with persimmons that I've, I'd seen that tree loaded before. And uh, they're pretty uh, consistent. You know, the ones that make really well, they, they, they're pretty consistent. Right. Uh, so I, anyway, I went in there and, and walked up just to the edge of the drip line of the tree and I could see enough disturbance on the ground that, uh, and, you know, and I could see a few ripe persimmons and stuff on the ground. I said, yeah, this is going to work. And, uh, I think I was standing at the base of the tree at, at five o'clock and ended up climbing. And, uh, I think the deer come in. I, I don't remember. I think I shot him at like five twenty-four with it fit you know the fifth time i shot shot that air through the bow and uh so i i accomplished that goal pretty quick you know it didn't uh it didn't take take long to get that out of the way yeah and i think but on it, the i think on the video if i remember correctly it's like five or six minutes you start recording and there's like five or six minutes and you you you're mid-sentence and is that the one where the hog comes in first yeah yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then I, the buck comes in. Yeah, I, I normally don't. I I do ramble on a lot of times when I get to talking, but I I normally try not to. If I do, I try to edit some of that stuff out. But the way that happened was so neat, you know, with, with it happening that quick, that I I left that video unedited just so you could get a feel for the timing on it, you know. Right. And uh, but it yeah, it did happen. It happened quick. The, that hog was over there, and uh. I looked later on after after all that happened, and uh, I think there was a an overcut tree over there that that hog was under, and uh, when the deer came in, you know, I shot the deer and the hog. He, he I don't think he ever stopped chewing. <laughs> he was he was still over there getting down with it, and uh, I thought I was going to get to shoot him too, but he ended up. I think he ended up cutting the blood trail on that deer, and and that spooked him pretty good. So I, 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 and we'll come back to the, the, the five or six minutes. Cause I think that's where you're getting that Mr. Lucky title from, from, <laughs> from RC. But, uh, I haven't had a situation like that exactly, but I did have a couple years ago, Jay St. Charles built a, and that's a long story. I won't go into the whole story, but I wanted an all Osage, um, laminated bow. I had one for a while and it was cursed and got rid of it. And, and people that have owned that bow since will tell you the same thing. You carry that bow in the woods and it just automatically runs every critter 
Uh, <laughs> I, you won't see anything. Um, but anyway, uh, Jay said he's going to build me this bow, and I had a, a hunt coming up for a hog hunt in South Carolina. And to get it to me in time, he finished the bow, but he only got one cut. He finishes his bows with uh, true oil, just like you'd use for gun stocks. Uh-huh. And he got one coat on the bow and dropped it in the mail and got it to me. He said, now, when you get this thing, you'll need to, you know, put a few more coats on it. So we talked through all that. And, and over the next, I think I got it like two or three days before I went on this hunt. So I would put a coat on in the morning. I'd let it dry. I'd buff it down, put uh, buff it down and put another coat on in the, in the evening. And I did this for like three days and I got several really good coats true oil on the bow. Well, when I showed up at camp, now I had a backup bow with me, but when I showed up in camp, I had not shot this bow once. And we hunted that afternoon, and I was hunting with another bow. The next morning, I got up, took that bow out. I shot like four or five arrows on the little targets they have there in the camp. And we headed down in the swamp, and me and and Tom Jurgensen was hunting together. We split up, and I got in a, a creek drainage. And I was walking along the creek drainage, and I'd just go 10 yards, and I'd, I'd ease up and peek out over the oak flats from that creek, from inside the creek. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gone 30 yards and, and looked out, and there's a big sow just, she's eating uh, water oak acorns like nobody's business. So like this, the fifth or sixth arrow I shot out of that bow, I heart shot that little, that big sow with, uh, <laughs> which was pretty cool. I, I, but that doesn't happen to me often, but... Like I said, RC calls you lucky for a reason, I think. And part of that's because you keep publishing these videos where you're you're basically, before you can finish explaining your setup, <laughs> you, yeah. you've got deer coming in. How many times has that happened? Uh, it, it don't happen a lot, but uh, it has happened uh, twice this year. And then I, another time I was halfway upside the tree and, uh, and, and saw deer. I thought they were coming in, but they weren't, luckily. Because I, they would have had me pegged, but it, it it does happen occasionally. That you know that's why when I'm if you watch some of my videos when I'm talking to the camera I'm always looking around. Uh, I've, I've kind of learned my lesson on that because they can come in at any time. You know. Well, and here's here's the good part for you. So, I, and I I know I know one of these you did this. I think a lot of times you see people that are they're filming their hunts and and they're you know they're talking and they're. It almost looks like they're looking around, but it's not real. And I'm wondering how many of them are filming that after they've already shot the animal. But uh, <laughs> but yours, you're yeah. actually sitting there and having to adjust the camera to catch the deer coming in while you're yeah. talking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, now with the the evening the the evening wood video was that this year or was that that was one of last year's kills or this no year? that was this year that was this it year was, yeah it was a second evening. Of the season and the 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 video before the the video that you released before that one was last year right you know i honestly don't remember uh no no that was that was from opening afternoon this oh, year oh was it okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I couldn't keep up with the dates um yeah but i didn't realize I, that one was that one was this year so yeah I, I i have been really bad in the past and that's one reason i i got in the position i did with all that footage that got lost i've been really bad about not uh, going ahead and doing something with the footage mm-hmm. and i've tried to get a little bit better about going ahead and, and editing some videos and getting them on out there you know but uh I, i've still got some footage from this year that I, I haven't done anything with i'm really bad about 
when I start those, I can get kind of anal with it as far as, I mean, spending just tons of time on little small details. And it kind of gets aggravating to me, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I, have, I, I know in the past I have, uh, I think the two videos I've published this year, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on, and you can kind of tell it, but I know in the past I have usually averaged about an hour worth of editing for each minute of the video. Right. And which that's not saying that, you know, I'm putting that much time into it. It's just that, you know, I'm not that experienced with, with editing and stuff. So. Oh, I, 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 I hate video editing. <laughs> you know, I love it. Uh, I, I like it when it's over with, if it turns out the way I want it to. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of times I'm, I'm real hesitant to, uh, to get started on it because I know what's lays in front of me, you know. Well, try to do, uh, try to do some instructional videos and, and let me know how that works out for you because I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way. I want it to be, you know, I want to make sure it's a, a really good finished product. And yeah. most of the ones that I've done, I've probably recorded them 10 or 12 times and then spent another, you know, twice that long with the editing. So I, I definitely know where you're coming from. Yeah. So the, the, again, the, the channel name is tagging out traditional. Now I know RC brought this up last week. Have, have you tagged out traditional yet or is this really more of still a pursuit for you? It's still a pursuit, uh, as far as doing it in the, you know, on deer in, in Georgia, uh, I've killed 10 is the best I've ever done. Uh, you know, we can kill 10 does and two bucks and I've killed 10, uh, once in the past and I've killed 10 so far this year. Uh, getting all, all 12 of them is, it, it, it takes some doing, you know, and it, I don't, uh, one thing I will say about this year, I've, I've killed 10, I've killed nine of those on public land. And, uh, I used to have, have some leases and, and stuff that I could hunt, but now I'm, I'm back down to pretty much just almost strictly hunting public land. And, uh, you know, I, one of the deer I killed this year, I had a buddy uh, invite me out to hunt with him. And, uh, but it, it's just, you kind of get, as the season goes on, you know, more and more your WMA start to close. Right. And uh, so you you get stuck hunting a lot of these archery-only WMAs, and uh, there's not that many of those, you know. So uh, it gets hard. It gets hard to close that limit out if you if you can't get it done early, unless you you know if you're hunting private land. And I don't know about down there, but up here. We have a couple, I mean, there's a couple of archery only WMAs that I can hunt within a 30 minute drive, but they, they're closed for most of the month of December. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that the same way down there? No, we have a, it's not the, the WMAs, a lot of the stuff that I hunt is not, you know, the, the entire WMA is not archery only. They'll just be an archery only track. That's the way this is. WMA. Yeah. But most, most of these down here that I'm hunting or open the entire season you know from from opening day of both season till the end of gun season interesting so, uh, yeah well and i should say one of them one's a wma so mcgraw ford is is archery only and it closes i don't remember the exact the exact date it closes but it closes in 
um, in early December is closed through um, the Christmas holiday, and then it opens back up, I think, on the 26th through the 1st. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Rich Mountain has a an archery-only track. But, you know, those are... And I, 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 you know, I don't know how much pressure the public land gets down there where you're at, but up here, you know, because of Atlanta, these things get hammered. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of the people that are hunting them, they, you know, f- for whatever reason, I don't think they necessarily know exactly what they're doing. And, you know, the deer are just completely screwed up by the time it, by the time, yeah. by the time the rut's gone, I mean, they're just, they're wired. I've actually sat on McGraw forward, um, before and watched a buck walk and he would, you know, he would walk a few steps and I've seen him, seen them stand and scan the tree lines. They're looking mm-hmm. up in the trees. Um, yeah. and people say, ah, that deer ain't going to do that. Yeah. I've seen them do it. Um, yeah. they, they get to where they know where that threat's at. Oh yeah. Yeah. These, these puppet land deer, man, they, uh, they're sharp. You know, I tell you it's, and it, 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 it that's another thing, you know, it, the, the later it gets in the season, man, it gets, it gets harder and harder to kill them with a stick bow. So it, it's 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 just sometimes you know it, it's it's good. The one thing I do like about hunting public land is I don't have to contend with the, with the baiting uh, like I used to when I hunted, you know, on leases and stuff. Right. Uh, because you know if you're the only one out there that's not baiting, then to kill them over a natural food source is is even harder. You know, and plus you know it's it's changed their behavior. Uh, so it, it, it just, that, that's one of the good things about it, uh, about hunting public land is not having to deal with that, but you know, you, you've got that extra pressure. So it's kind of a trade off. Well, and up here, I mean, it's, uh, same thing. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the baiting. I know there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, well, it's not hurting you. Well, actually in a lot of cases, yeah, it is, um, you got even on public land, people sitting. Uh, you know, the, it, the the private land can bait right up to that property line, yeah. and it still affects the it still affects the deer behavior. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not a I'm not a firm believer. I think there are some some big bucks killed over bait, but I think that's a, a anomaly. I don't think that's necessarily the rule, but it does, like you said, it 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 alters their their. Their feeding patterns and their behaviors, and just makes it a lot harder if you're if you're trying to hunt without bait. So yeah, yeah, it definitely does. So you said you've taken ten in twenty eighteen, and is that that's nine nine does in one buck, or no? I've tagged out uh, on my bucks. Okay. Yeah, I've I've tagged out on those. Uh, so that's one good thing, you know, as far as me getting uh, trying to get the limit this year, but still. Uh, to get it, you know, I'm, I'm not getting to hunt a whole lot right now because of work. Uh, we've been working six days a week and, uh, I'm pretty much locked down to just hunting on, on Sundays. And, you know, if, if you go in and hunt on a Sunday morning, the best thing I can do is go off of week old information. Right. You know? Yeah. So that is usually not going to be very good. Uh, I, I have had it work out before but most of the time that's almost a wasted hunt uh so that even you know the only thing i can hope to do is find something during the day uh and set up on it that afternoon and it's just you know we're running out of time so but there's always next year 
So that's, and actually I hadn't even thought about that until just listening to you, to you talk about it because I was, uh, I know you and, and RC and, and Warren and a bunch of you guys, you, you all pretty much hunt the same way. So I, I didn't want to kind of rehash all that, but uh, we really didn't spend a lot of time when I was talking to RC about late season. So, you know, when, when you get into the late season, obviously, you know, there's specific food sources and I mean, we could talk about those, but for us, it's for the most part, it's water oaks, privet, green briar and, and agriculture. Uh, we yeah. notes those kind of things um but when you don't have when you don't have a, a known feed tree to go to like when you're hunting the persimmons and those kind of things do you still approach it from getting out and actually walking to find a spot to hunt do you go to a tree that has been productive for you in the past or do you do you try to hunt funnels or something else or all of the above <laughs> yeah i think i think you have to continue to scout you know uh if you can find fresh sign you know that's always a good thing uh that's one area though that i do not excel at as far as you know uh, you know i'm primarily a, a a food tree hunter uh robert has he, he's got a lot better eye for that stuff it's, i mean he's, he's twice a woodsman that i am when it comes to stuff like that, he, he sees really, uh, small detail stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of times we'll be walking through the swamp and he'll say, you know, you can see how these deer are coming, coming across this, uh, ridge out of that little bit of a slough and everything right there. And, and I'll be standing there almost scratching my head, you know, (laughs) you know, I'll say, okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about. But, uh, he, he's, he's really good at, at picking stuff out like that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to get better. I'm always trying to learn and uh and get better at stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's when it gets late season, and and I don't have a whole lot of experience at hunting late season to be honest. Uh, I've always had in the past. I've had some good jobs where I got to hunt a lot, and uh, most times I'm gonna say up until about four or five years ago, uh, I got almost burn out on hunting by usually around the end of November. Uh, I, I would have been probably somewhere around 80 times I would have made a climb, you know, by the end of December. And I would all, I would literally be burnt out. So I haven't done a whole lot of hunting in, in December or January. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't have a lot of experience on the late season stuff. Uh, but you know, if, if we hadn't had such a poor year with this acorn failure uh, that we had with the water oaks, red oaks this year, uh, that would, you know, automatically that would be what I would key on, uh, would be water oaks. And, uh, but this year, yeah, it's going to be really tough uh, if you can't, you know, I haven't been in the woods in a couple of weeks now. Uh, I had, uh, I was really sick last weekend and and all this rain this weekend, I'm not going to get to go. But the only thing that I can really hope for when I go back out there is to be able to, to find some uh, swamp chestnuts that are still dropping. Uh, and if if I don't find that, then I'm I'm probably going to be doing a lot of looking, trying to find a good funnel to sit on. Uh, I've I've had in the past uh, some private land that I hunted a good bit. I found some really good areas. I I had some areas on that private land that. 
I could I, I would have almost bet, you know, after laying out at after not hunting in there for for three or four weeks and letting everything calm back down real late season. Uh, I've had some spots where I would feel really confident going climbing in January just because of the it, it was like a, a, a big flow area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the way I found those places was through observation. And I've, I've found some really good places over the years from from observation and making adjustments. You know, I'm, I might have set up, not had it. And I, I know Robert, he, he doesn't like to climb the tree unless he knows one's coming in. And uh, But I, I have made a lot of hunts where I was just, you know, I couldn't find anything really good. So I ended up climbing over the best of what I could find, which at the time might have been really poor, you know. But I have found some really good spots doing that by seeing deer i might see deer move through 80 or 100 yards out and then i would adjust my stand over to that area and then you know maybe over the course of another season of seeing deer come through that area i'd end up pinpointing a tree that was going to give me a really good coverage of that area if anything moved through right and uh yeah i've had some some really good uh setups on on some flow areas and uh and actually pinpointed some really good funnels that weren't obvious from the ground you know just just by doing some observation type hunts sure so uh that that's the only bad thing about that is it it burns up a lot of time you know and you only have a limited number of of, of hunts every year to, to try to make a kill well and i'll be honest that that in some ways has been what has kept me from really pursuing the style that you and rc are are hunting is one where to start and and some of the things that rc was talking about you know when he was on a week or so ago (laughs) helped out and it'll help me kind of narrow the field some for next year but you know when you're talking about a a 25 30 acre track wma up here in north georgia with hills and mountains and you know i mean just where to where to start in in looking for you know a feed tree and and which feed trees the the deer will hit first and so forth it's it's kind of kind of daunting um and you know i've killed deer over over white oaks i've set up on white oaks that were dropping and had deer come in but it was more because it was just a white oak that was really dropping well it wasn't because i found you know fresh immediate sign and knew that the deer were going to hit that tree first it was it was luck um yeah. i feel i feel much more confident in looking at topo maps and and you know figuring out where based on previous experience you know where the deer will travel and what a natural pinch point looks like and and those kind of things if i'm going in blind but a lot of the public land that i'm hunting up here i've hunted for years so i know those places mm-hmm. like you're talking about where I set up one day and, and during the course of the day, I saw five deer that were 80 or a hundred yards from me and I was smart enough to move. Um, yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a ton of time. Most of the time I get to hunt the weekend, um, or the majority of the weekend, but you know, during the week, I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm working, I'm busy. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you got, you got to get with it. I think RC's one ahead of you right now. Um, yeah. He, yeah. I think he, uh, he pulled off a double, uh, 
I believe it was last week. Yep. And uh, he's sitting on eleven, but he's—I think he's got to kill his big buck. He's got it. Yeah, he's, yep, he's got the—he's got the tougher task in killing the big buck where yeah. you've just got two does. But you know, you were talking about that bow you had earlier that was that was cursed. Yeah, I re- I really wish you'd have sold that to RC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's bad is I sold it to Tom. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what kind of friend is that? However, yeah. I did tell him. In fact, I was hunting with that bow on the hunt that I met Tom in, back in 2012, and uh, I'd forget now. We, you know, we got to know each other, and I just told him, I said, "Dude, I, I'm selling this bow. It's cursed." I, I said, "I can carry any bow I own." And I'll at least see game. I might not get a shot, but I said, you carry this thing. You won't see a, a sparrow. <laughs> and he just, no, no, no. So he bought it. And I forget now, he didn't even bring it up. He didn't mention that bow forever. And I forget now, I asked him something about it. It seemed like I got some kind of crazy idea I was going to buy it back from him. And <laughs> he <had> sold it. <laughs> he, said, he said that bow was cursed. Yeah. But, uh no, I, if I can get it back, maybe I can. Maybe I can talk RC into buying it next year. But I don't. Yeah, know, I honestly make, don't know where it's at now. Well, if you can get it back, I might buy it and give it to you. <laughs> That's too funny, no. uh, but it's not going to do you much good this year. Um, no, no. Well, hopefully you, hopefully you, you're about over this bug you've had. You're, you're at least going to be able to get back out in the woods. I know this weekend probably is not the best time for someone that's that's been sick, but. I'm still yeah. I'm still hoping to salvage a, a day out of the weekend, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I I'd thought about going if it clears out tomorrow afternoon, but you know, when you're going in trying to find fresh sign right behind the rain, it's it's really tough. You know. It is, and I'm I'll be honest, if I if I do make it out and I think it's supposed to blow out of here before it will for, for you because of the way it's moving, but uh I will, I've actually got a, I'll be hunting just a natural travel corridor that I've, that I've seen deer in several times already this year. So I'm not going to scout. I'm just going to go in and climb. I may get down midday, walk around a little bit and set up a different spot in the afternoon, but just kind of depend on, depend on how the morning goes. But Chris, we've, we've, we've talked a, a good bit about the hunting and I, I did want to spend a little bit of time. I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know your, 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 your voice is probably starting to bother you a little bit, but, um, you're one of the, you're one of the few traditional bow hunters that I know that, that really takes the, um, and I'm going to use this term loosely and see how you respond to it, but takes the, the competitive 3d pretty seriously. Um, and whether or not you you take it serious or not, your your results make it appear that you're taking it pretty seriously. So, um, you know, I guess first of all, I've I've kind of been following it a little bit over the last couple of years. But you know, for the listeners, brag on yourself a little bit and give us a little bit of a, a resume of of your you know what you've accomplished the last year or so on the 3D course. Okay, well, uh, I had I, I used to shoot. Well, I'll back up. How about I back all the way up to the beginning? I, I think I shot my first tournament was actually the uh, traditional Bowhunters of Georgia state shoot in, I believe it was like 2009, uh, may have been 2008, somewhere around in there. And uh, that friend of mine that got me started bow hunting, he he knew I wouldn't go by myself. Uh, so he, he actually picked up a, a recurve and started shooting it a little bit. And he went with me 
he actually drove me up to the tournament. And that was the first time I'd ever shot. And I was so nervous. I, I had no idea what to expect, you know. Uh, I'd never even shot with anybody else. So I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to show up and come in dead last and look <laughs> foolish, you know. So I, I, I showed up to the tournament with a full dozen arrows. You know, I, I mean, I carried a, carried a full dozen uh, and, and left them in the truck, you know. But I, I was going to have backups. <laughs> <laughs> And, but I was so nervous uh, the night before going to that tournament that I was up sick throwing up, and and I was up most of the night. And uh, anyway, he he talked me into going. I told him the next morning. I said I don't know if I'm gonna be able to go or not. I Man, I hadn't had any sleep. And he said let's just go on up there and, and see what it's about. So uh, he drug me on up there and I shot and. Uh, Actually, I, I shot really bad, and uh, you know, for me, as, as far as the way I had normally shot, I, I was just—I I think I was exhausted, hadn't had any rest and everything else. But I shot really poorly, and uh, but going into the second day, I think I was in second place. That uh, I, I know I was in the top group, and I ended up just shooting lights out that second day, but I, I wasn't able to, I dropped so many points the first day, I couldn't make it all up mm-hmm. and ended up coming in second. And, uh, but anyway, that, that kind of got me started shooting tournaments and, uh, I shot some small stuff shot. I think we went to the, the Howard Hill shoot and, uh, you know, I shot several years. I shot the, the Georgia state shoot and, uh, I think 2010, I, I actually built a bow, the first bow I ever built actually from a Bingham kit, and uh, we went up and shot the uh, IBO uh, Trad Worlds up in Tennessee, and uh, at that time they had a, a hunter heavyweight class for any bow over 60 pounds, and uh, we got there. I, when I built the bow, I, you know, I had to use a little handheld scale and scaled mm-hmm. it and I think it was my, my scale was showing the bow was like 63 pounds well when we got up there and they they checked the weight on my bow it was showing like 68 pounds or something <laughs> like that you know by, by the it didn't feel like it you know I'd been shooting it sure and everything but anyway I, I ended up coming in second up there that year and uh kind of skip over the next seven years I I had a change in jobs and uh I worked weekends, so I didn't. I don't think I shot competitive, competitively at all for like seven years. And uh, I think it was last spring I, I had gotten back in, started back shooting my bow, and uh, you know it was off on weekends, so I decided to go up and shoot the uh, the TBG State shoot again up there at Rock Ranch, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I had run in when I, you know, got up there, ended up shooting with uh, the second day with my buddy Bert Sullivan. And uh, he talked me into to trying to shoot some of these bigger tournaments. And uh, he said, you know, ASA is going to have a, a pro-am up in Augusta. And he said that that was my first major tournament. He said it probably be a really good one for you to go to. It's not too far from home. And you, he said just – bring what you're shooting now, which uh, I think I was shooting 
Well, I was actually shooting my Predator recurve at that time, but I think before I actually went to that ASA, I swapped over to shooting a, an old Dan Quillian uh, uh, Patriot uh, that I got from Robert. And uh, he said, just bring that and uh, just shoot, see if you like it. And he said, if you like it, you know, maybe we can you know, get you into, into an ILF setup or something, you know. Right. So I did. I, I went up there and uh, and shot and really enjoyed it. Uh, I shot pretty good. I think I ended up coming in fifth place, something like that. But uh, I could see right off the bat, you know, equipment-wise, uh, I was way behind the curve on that. I was going to have to step that up a little bit. So uh, he offered at that tournament uh, – he offered to let me shoot his uh, hunting bow that he had set up to hunt with. And it was a, a CD riser uh, that he had a set of, uh, I think there were about 46, 45 or 46-pound 46 uh, limbs on that he had set up for hunting. And uh, it was a 64-inch bow. Mm -hmm. And I ended up finishing the year out last year with that bow, he even gave me arrows and everything to shoot with. And uh, I ended up shooting, uh, I think I shot maybe three, three more ASAs with that bow. And uh, I think I picked up a couple of third place finishes and uh, actually carried it to the uh, IBO Trad Worlds last year. And uh, I had a a set of I had bought a set of uh, Centaur longbow ILF limbs mm -hmm. that I put on there and shot uh, modern longbow class and ended up winning that. Uh, well, right after that happened, you know that that's kind of one of the last tournaments of the year, so I shifted gears and went back to uh, shooting my my longbow, you know my hunting bow. But uh, over the over the winter, I ended up buying. Uh, buying my own ILF setup and everything, and but I had also seen uh, during the season, you know, the way I shot, which I, I guess you describe my shooting as a split vision type uh, shooting. You know, I I, I see the arrow, uh, you know, it's it's in my peripheral vision, and I kind of get the, uh, I, I guess I kind of set my left right off of that arrow shaft underneath right. my eye. But as far as is uh, distance, I don't do any conscious uh, judging of distance or anything. You know, it's just kind of a, a an ingrained, uh, instinctive type of, of trajectory. Uh, you know, as far as as far as that goes. So, uh, but I had seen, yeah, I, I, towards the end of the season, I started picking and picking up and shooting pretty good. But I could tell that. Uh, I wasn't a lot of these guys were able to to actually shoot for 12 ring on ASA target if they were you know 20 yards or less where they could actually see it if they could see it standing at the stake they could go for it whereas I was just shooting center 10 and uh man I said I've, I've got to, the only way I'm going to be able to compete with them I got to be able to pick those you know pick up another 10 points mm -hmm. and so I said you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to go to shooting gap and uh, I'm going to shoot gap next year and see if I can't 
because they had all explained to me, you know, their methods and stuff. And I, I saw a lot of benefits in it on, on what they were telling me. Well, I, I kind of got out and, you know, in the backyard and, and fooled around with that a good bit. And uh, I, I had what I thought was a pretty good setup, you know. I, I, I was shooting good in the backyard and everything. And uh, I think the first tournament that I went to this year was an IBO uh, Spring National up in Kentucky. And uh, I had shot, I don't remember the last time that I had shot and I actually had a miss in a tournament. But I shot as poorly as I have ever shot in my life at this tournament, and I had two misses over a 40-target course. And, uh, you know, it was it was just devastating to me, you know, to, to, to struggle like that. And uh, because I, in the past, you know, I felt like I could, if I shot well, I should average nine points per target, you know, on pretty much any course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I think on that, that uh, 40 targets, I shot like a 299. So I was way down, way down from where I should have been, you know. Well, I, I didn't really brush it off uh, just quite yet. I think I came back. I shot an ASA over in uh, Columbus Pro-Am over there. Uh, shot really poorly in it. Had a miss over there. Ended up coming in like seventh, eighth place, something like that. Just just uh, horrendous. And I came back home and, you know, I said, I finally got to thinking, you know, I, I changed, completely changed the way I was shooting, trying to pick up 10 points on a, on a round, you know, on a 40 target course. Right. And I'm giving up 50 points. You know, I'm shooting 50 points down from where I was shooting my old way. So I just completely scrapped the gap shooting. Uh, I had changed my anchor point and everything to, to do the gap shooting. I just went completely back to my old way of shooting. And, uh, it really worked out good for me. I, I think uh, every tournament I shot after that, I won. I won every one except one. I came in second place at it. Uh, but I, I did. Uh, I ended up. I think I won uh, two, two or either three uh, ASA proams last year. Uh, well, I won. I won all of them after the. Uh, after I went back to shooting my way, my old way of shooting. Right. Uh, I won uh, the first leg of the IBO uh, National Championship Triple Crown. Uh, I think I won the second leg. I came in second to Dwayne Martin at the third leg. I just, uh, he, he shot really good, and I was just struggling with my bow arm. Didn't shoot all that well. Uh but did end up having enough points to win the, the national championship in that. Uh, then I went to uh, the IBO Trad Worlds up in West Virginia, and uh, with the intentions of, of shooting a recurve unaided class, you know, which is what what I'd been shooting in ASA, pretty much the same class. Uh, and uh, I went up there and shot. They they changed the format this year. Uh, to where you, you shoot 30 targets on day one 
uh, and then you know you'll shoot a, a champ the final round 30 targets but you could also shoot two classes uh, so I went up there I shot my 30 RU targets on Friday and uh, we came back in and uh, it, it when it was all said and done I was tied for first place with Dwight Dorsey and uh, we had the same score with the same uh, 11 count and uh, so the next day I, t I borrowed a riser uh, from a, a friend of mine and uh, I put my same old centaur longbow limbs on that I had shot the previous year and uh, went out I think I shot maybe maybe 10 minutes you know might have, might have shot 20 arrows through it and tried to tune it up and got it shooting pretty good went out and, and you know on Saturday and, and shot the 30 uh, targets for the modern longbow class right and ended up I felt like I was struggling, but my score, you know, when it was all said and done, I think my score was within a couple of points of, of what I'd shot with the RU rig. Uh, and we came back in, and when all that was over with, I had, I think when, you know, at the end of the day, I had like an 18-point lead in modern longbow. And uh, I had a really hard decision to make, and I, I talked to several people, uh, you know, about what should I do, should I, should I drop out of RU and shoot modern longbow? Uh, you know, I, I hate to throw away an 18-point lead, you know. Mm -hmm, and, uh, sure. But my my buddy, Burt Sullivan, he said, you know, he said, I think RU is kind of viewed as maybe the most prestigious class at the tournament. You know, he said, I, with you being in that, you know, tied for first, he said, I, you already won modern longbow last year. You may as well go ahead and, and give it a shot. Uh, so I did, I, I threw that 18 point lead away and I was thinking, uh, man, I, I'm probably going to kick myself for this, you know, if I don't, <laughs> but I, I ended up, uh, going out the next day and shot and it's very rare to shoot up to your ability. You know, I'm going to say shoot as well at a, at a, at a tournament, especially a, a major tournament like that as you do in the backyard. Mm -hmm very rare but i actually shot I, I feel like i shot above my ability at, at, on the sunday at the at the uh, trad worlds because it I, I was in awe at some of the shots you know it was just automatic and uh i, I had a bunch of guys say they had, they had never seen anybody shoot like that and it was you know i was thinking neither have i <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I couldn't, I, I was just as dumbfounded as they were. And, uh, but I ended up, uh, ended up pulling that off. And that's pretty cool. Uh, then I went to, uh, went up and shot the, uh, IBO open world championship at Snowshoe, West Virginia. And, uh, didn't feel like I shot very well. I think, uh, after the first day there and that, that was, uh, you know, I'm coming from, from shooting flatland where, uh, you know, I, I can't, there's, there's not a, if I want to shoot with any kind of uphill or downhill, uh, slope to my shots, I've got to get a ladder and climb on my roof. Right. You know, it's just, it, there, there's no way to practice that where I'm at. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, to go up there, which is, I mean, it's a ski resort, you know, so you got some serious, serious uh, elevation to deal with. And, uh, man, it, it, it's still it's the be- most beautiful place I've ever been as far as, uh, you know, the 3D shoot goes. It's just unbelievable. But uh, we went out, you know, and shot the first day, and I, I didn't feel like I was shooting up to my ability and I think when we came in I was like seven points back and uh shot a different course the next day and uh I shot better but I was struggling you know still struggling with my shooting and uh you know I told everybody I said you know I was seven points down after yesterday I'm probably 15 points down now and ended up when it was uh, all over with I think I had a, a two point lead after the second day and uh went into the final day you know i uh, got into that final group and and went out and shot the the last day and ended up holding you know the same position i think i ended up winning that by with a two-point lead so it, it it really uh going back to what i had pretty much the way i had been shooting I guess my whole traditional career, you know, ever since I had picked that bow up and tried shooting three under, Mm -hmm. you know, ever so long ago, uh, it just, it just clicked, you know, it just really paid off. And so I, I pretty much swore off shooting uh, (laughs) any other way, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to, you try to do something to improve. And and when you start taking big steps back like that, I mean, I, I might could have eventually gotten to where I, shot better uh but i just wasn't willing to to wait it out you know i don't believe i could have sure i don't believe i could have stood it you know it's hard to get kicked in the teeth every time you go to a tournament (laughs) when you know when you know you're capable of doing better i i I do i don't uh most of the most of the ones that i go to are are pretty much just for just for fun i have shot you know at the the tbg state shoot a couple times like you said but most of the time I don't even take that very seriously. Um, the the last the last question I've got, um, Chris, will and and try to I'll try to keep this kind of brief. I think it's a pretty easy one for you. But you know, obviously listening to you talking about your different uh, setups, you're you're obviously changing uh, quite a bit between what you're doing on the 3D course and and what you're actually hunting with. Um, does it does it take you a lot of time to adjust once you're once you're off the 3D course and ready to go back in the woods? It does. Uh, that that bow is so much easier to shoot. Uh, you know, you uh, that tournament bow I was shooting is is 70 inches, so uh, it's so easy to get off the string with that. Mm-hmm. So when I go back to my my long bow, there's a little bit of a, a struggle with it. You know, for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, but you know it it eventually comes back around uh and i actually did uh i actually did kill a deer this year with with that tournament oh, really yeah i I did uh you know you you get used to shooting i mean that bow's 40 pounds you know and it, it almost feels like a, a toy uh, you know when you're used to shooting 63 or 64 pounds right so uh i don't know i just i, I got it in my mind you know i'm thinking you know i shoot this thing really well and uh, I, I just kind of want to see what it, you know, how well it would work on a deer. I, 
I called uh, my buddy Dave Olgy out there and and got him to send me some uh, of the 135 grain uh, land shark lights. Right. You know, still an inch and nine sixteenths cut, but uh, I think the the uh, blade thickness is a little lower than normal. Uh, but anyway, he, he sent me some of those, and I pretty much, you know, all I did was was take the uh, field point off and screwed one of those on and took that tournament rig out in the yard and shot it, and it was. Uh, I think the first arrow I shot out of it was at 30 yards and, you know, shot a 10 on my 3D target with it and a sh- air flight. You know, when you're used to shooting off the shelf and you pick up a bow that's got a, a rest and a plunger button on it, I mean, the tuning is just, you can get it so perfect right? with that, you know, and it, man, it was just, it was, it was spot on. <clears throat> and I think I may have shot three or four arrows and, uh, you know, they were all right down the middle, and I kind of the same thing I did with the wood air. I brought it in the house, sharpened it up, <laughs> and uh, I I don't remember if it was the same day or maybe a couple of days later. But you know, the first time I carried it to the woods, got got up the tree with it, and uh, turned the video camera on, started talking, and uh, I th- I think within ten minutes. From the time that I actually got in the stand and got my bow pulled up, uh, I had a deer come in and shot it with that tournament bow at like 10 yards. And uh, it was really, you know, like I said, it's 40 pounds. And my total arrow weight, broadhead, and all was three 372 grains, and it stuck it in the dirt on the other side of it. You know, so it's, and I, you know, that's by far the lightest arrow I've ever shot a deer with and, and wouldn't wouldn't do that normally but through the ribs you know it's it's plenty uh you get up front with it it's not going to be but uh i've got a kind of an interesting story on that if you want to hear it real quick i i did back when i was shooting a compound uh when i was shooting that 92 pound compound uh i shot a, a spike buck one time in a shoulder blade it i think it was 20 yards or 22 yards and uh I was shooting 2419s at the time, and uh, I think I was shooting 160 grain land shark. And I think total arrow weight was 700 to 750 grains with that 92 pound compound. And uh, I think I got about three inches of penetration. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, you can shoot through them with sometimes it depends on what you hit, you can shoot through them with anything, and sometimes you can't shoot through them with anything, you know, so. Yeah, and I've I've had I've had a couple of situations where I've uh, you know aiming for the heart and you you're off just a little bit and you hit that knuckle and, and yeah. not not you know I have busted the knuckle once with a single bevel head, but most time it's that's that's just game over and that deer's going to be fine. But uh, but other than that, most of the time I managed to I managed to get through. But that yeah. that knuckles that knuckles tough, and I will tell oh, you. Yeah. Uh, just, just so you know, I don't know, I'm sure you know Gene Bramlett. I don't know how well you know him, but, uh, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people follow what you were doing, uh, last year and, and the year before with the, the competitive. And I forget, you know, I set the, I set the course with Gene up at NGT, uh, on Saturday every week when, you know, when we're, when we're during our 3D season. And I don't remember if it was when we were setting up one morning or, or if it was, uh, we were pulling targets or something after the shoot, but you know we were walking along and Gene just up and said, "You know that 
that Chris Sprikes, he's uh that good old boy's down there just wearing those guys out that do this 3D stuff seriously. <laughs> so you know, it's it's a lot of people, a lot of people watching it, and a lot of people, a lot of people proud of you because you you know it's not just that you're. A good deer hunter, you're out there, you know, doing it on the 3D course too. I just, I can't. Maybe one day I'll, I'll try it, and take it seriously. But most of the time, I'm just having too much fun to. It's kind of like you yeah. with the whole, you know, you made it work and then you didn't want to hunt. That's kind of the way I'm with, with with the 3D. I just, I'm, I'm out there to have a good time and the, taking yeah. it serious just seems to go against the grain for me. But yeah, I, I I'm probably going to really back off of that next year. Uh, it's just, man, it was. It took a lot out of me. I mean, it was like a, a nonstop. You know, I had a tournament, you know, a, a time or two there. I had a tournament every other week, you know. So it, it just got to be in the, I think the closest tournament yeah. I had was, was, you know, six-hour drive. So. Uh, I'll do that for hunting. It, I don't, I don't, and I've, I've done it for, for the 3D shoots too, but I'd much rather drive six hours to go hunting than I would to, to shoot it. Oh, yeah, and that. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards too. Uh, I I know the the money that I spent to go shoot those tournaments, I could have probably went hunting out west twice. Yep. You know. So. <laughs> well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to figure out a way to, to to get together and do some hunting. I may make that that Horse Creek hunt this year. I haven't really decided. I know Gene's wanting to go, and he's already said something to me about going down with him. So yeah. I may see you down there, but. Uh, uh, if I, if I don't make it, we'll, we'll get together and we're going to hit the woods somewhere sometime. If nothing else, I'll, I'll shoot you and invite you and come up here and, and hunt the mountains with me. Yeah, man, that sounds good. I'd like to get on a bear. I need to break that curse. Well, and I, <laughs> I didn't even go into that. I don't know if you, if you heard us talking about my, my fun with a bear this year, but, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got bad luck with bears. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that another time, but, uh, I, I know we've, we're a little over an hour and a half, Chris, and I don't want to. I don't want to keep you tied up any longer. Uh, I do really, really want to thank you. I really appreciate you hopping on here to 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 take the time to to join me for this. Well, I I appreciate the opportunity, and I don't. You know, I don't. When you first approached me about it, I didn't. I don't really feel like I'm any anything special. You know, I just love to hunt and. Uh, try to kill as many as I can and spend a lot of time out there. So I don't, you know, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I've got any skill set that, that anybody else don't, you know, it's just, I'm really, uh, relentless. <laughs> well, I'd rather have, I'd rather have 10 people like you on the podcast than, than somebody that thinks the, the sun rises and sets on their ability to take an animal. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I do want to wish you the best of luck with your rest of your season. I, I truly hope both, both of you and RC tag out and I'm not about to go to which one I hope does it first, but <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do hope both of you manage to, to, to achieve your goal this year. Yeah, if I, if I had to pick, I'd rather it be him because, you know, he's getting pretty old. So uh, <laughs> he needs to go ahead and get it done. I don't know how many seasons he's got left. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, yeah, you'll hear about that one. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, you take care, and uh, I hope if the weather will hold out, you, you do manage to get out tomorrow. And uh, if I don't talk to you again, I hope you have a, a merry, very Merry Christmas, and uh, maybe I'll see you in a month or so at, at Horse Creek. All right. Sounds good, man. The same to you. All right. Take care, Chris. And for everybody else, thank you for listening. And I do uh, both, and I'll speak for myself, Nick, and Tom. 
We all hope you have a uh, very Merry Christmas, and we will look forward to uh, catching you the week after Christmas on another episode. Good night, everyone.